Welcome to the Scale Up Valley podcast, where we bring the best of the best to help you scale your business from 1 million to 1 trillion. Today's guest is a very special one, uh, and one of the first uh, ones covering the Mexican markets in LATAM. Uh, so it's with great pleasure that I uh, welcome Arturo, the founder and CEO at Sofia. Uh, Arturo, welcome to the show. Uh, thanks, Mike. Thanks for the invitation. It's great to be here. I'm excited to, to have this conversation. Likewise, uh, and you have a, an amazing uh, background that you that you will share. Uh, and I really enjoyed the vision and, and what we are doing with uh, with Sofia. I think it's really, really ambitious and, and something that definitely the market needs. And uh, it's always great to witness someone who can see the opportunity and understand that the problem is difficult to to solve, but it's possible. And, and to have this, that level of ambition also uh, inspires other founders to go for tougher problems to solve uh, uh, as early uh, as possible, right? But yeah, for the ones who are already curious listening to, to the mm -hmm. podcast, so what is Mike talking about? So who is Arturo? And let us know more about how Sofia uh, gets in, into your life. Yes, uh, so a, a bit about myself and my co-founders. Our three stories uh, come together in an exactly. interesting way. Um, so I studied applied mathematics uh, here in Mexico uh, together with my two co-founders. That's where I met them. Uh, and after that, uh, the three of us, we had like very uh, unplanned but parallel and, and similar careers. The three of us worked for some time in Mexico doing some form of uh, uh, consultancy. Myself, I worked uh, on data analysis and, and, and kind of um, data science consultancy right out of college. Um, yep. uh, and then uh, I moved to, uh, to the UK to pursue a master's degree uh, at UCL. Uh, I did a program called Computational Statistics and Machine Learning, which it has a very- That's interesting. Uh, it's, it sounds very <laughs> fancy. Uh, it, it was a great program, a lot like, um, yeah, I didn't know it at the time, but I, like, I studied with uh, some people that uh, years later, or a couple of years later, um, went on to do like uh, really important breakthroughs. I started with the guy uh, that led the Alpha Go pro uh, project at wow. DeepMind. Uh, that, that's, uh, the, uh, wow. my, that was my professor for the reinforcement learning course. So uh, that, that was very cool. Um, and uh, I did my program there. Uh, then I stayed in the UK working after the master's. I worked first at a startup, uh, Songkick, a music-focused uh, startup. Um, I did only an internship. Then um, I moved to YouGov, the public opinion company, um, and worked on the, 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 this product that they aimed to bring together all the disparate survey data that they held and uh, make a, like profiles of the people answering the questions. This actual this product actually actually has been, uh, if you look at the YouGov uh, stock price chart, it's quite in, uh, impressive. It's usually not thought of uh, as you know a tech company, but now it's well over a billion, 
it's valued at well over a billion and it's a great company uh, and it's been driven <laughs> like on that product. I didn't create that product, uh, but I work on the team that created that product. So it was uh, interesting. And then I moved to, to um, my, my role at Index Ventures, which I held for three and a half years. And that was really when I um, kind of got super immersed in, in technology and the technology ecosystem and the startup ecosystem. Um, I, um, th that was an amazing role because I got to interact with a lot of founders. I, I, like, I think one of the main things that I took from that uh, experience was um, to see how, I mean, like, when you don't get expo direct exposure to the to founders and CEOs and the like, uh, it's easy to think that they're like these superhumans that somehow do these amazing <laughs> things, and um, or that they must be like uh, super rare in some sense. But talking to them, they, of course, like it's a intelligent crowd of people, but right. they're just people like uh, one the thing I took from that is like um, everyone may like can pursue this it doesn't require like to uh, have some superpower to to create something that that can really transform the world and um, it's <laughs> what, what it is required is a lot of hard work and a lot of energy and a lot of persistence. Right. Um, but but uh, really like it made the prospect of becoming an entrepreneur myself much more uh, tangible. Um, and after uh, those years at Index, I I, uh, I got the 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 each of of or, or the curiosity to become an entrepreneur myself. I, I a lot driven by this what I just mentioned. Um, and I talked to my um, two co-founders, which during this part of the history, they um, themselves went to the US to do, the, well, like, again, we didn't plan on this being like that, but the three of us did a master's in statistics. They went, went to Harvard and the other to Stanford. And um, then they stayed in the US uh, working in technology, one at Google and the other at Patreon. And, we started talking about the possibility of coming back to Mexico and starting a company because we wanted to come back to Mexico, mm -hmm. but we probably wouldn't want to join a just traditional old established company. Uh, we really enjoyed uh, a lot of that culture and a lot of that ethos of, of, of uh, technology and how it is to work in technology. Uh, and that wasn't really available at in Mexico back when we um, we were talking about this. So we realized oh, we should create a company and bring a lot of that back. And the problem space that we identified that was really interesting was healthcare because in, it ticks uh, two fundamental boxes. One is like an important problem. It's, it's mm -hmm. uh, a problem that affects us all um, we all uh, get ill uh, throughout our lives and we, we, we all need uh, medical care uh, throughout our lives um, 
So it touches everyone and it touches people in, in very profound ways. If you improve uh, how a person's experiences throughout a, a healthcare a episode, uh, it, that the difference between like a bad experience and a, a very good experience is literally life and death. So, so it's, it's very profound, the impact that you can have. Um, and, and that's one of the two boxes. The second box is it's a huge market. Like it represents a huge opportunity, like building a company in this space, a, a, like translates into a, a very, very large opportunity, which uh, with the investor mindset that I had, a, a, or that I have, I should say, uh, is that one of the key elements for, for uh, for it to be a, a good investment opportunity. So we um, we decided, okay, we're gonna move back and we're gonna start building Sofia. And from the get-go, we uh, knew that the approach we wanted to, to follow was to create a new insurance company because the product of insurance lends itself or it's a very strong base or strong foundation on top of which you can build the healthcare services. Uh, it creates a long-term relationship with users that allows you to uh, treat people, not just in one moment in time, but over time. Um, and that, that creates a very powerful bond with the with customers. Um, yeah. And so we decided, okay, we're gonna create a new insurance company. And that took a long while. <laughs> it took uh, the whole process from starting to plan that to being able to issue the first policy it took like two and a half years um wow. yeah so so that was lots uh, of hard work and persistence as you were saying before <laughs> exactly like and that's just to get to the starting line exactly. <laughs> which is a it is a, it's a bit like crazy um uh, but we we did that in the process of that, and I'm sure we're going to talk a lot more about the fundraising aspect of, of this, but in the process of that, we raised our seed round and our Series A. So um, we, we during these two and a half years, we created the product, we created uh, the processes uh, that, that uh, are behind the service. Um, we we uh, grew the team, um, so, so we, we, we were... Uh, quite a, a busy, even though like we weren't selling a product uh, yet. And in November, 2020, we launched Sofia. So um, we, um, we've we been operating in the market for just over a year and a half. And uh, today we, we um, were like in this phase of uh, growing the company and scaling the company. Um, we've had several learnings in the process, uh, and yeah, like, um, when, when you've been as long as we were in the laboratory, as we used to refer to it, uh, in this pre-launch mode, you formed a lot of ideas of how things should or will work, uh, when you launch them to the market and then you realize, um, well, actually, uh, they, they, <laughs> that it doesn't work quite like that, and you need to adapt and adjust and keep on with the persistence. Uh, and uh, yeah, like today, uh, we've 
figured out a bunch of the more important things I, I would say like around the go-to-market strategy uh, and now we're more in an execution phase so uh, just keep on uh, doing the things we, we we know are working and improving on those uh, so we can uh, keep scaling the company. Right. And so explain a little bit more uh, how the product uh, works, uh, who can subscribe the product. I, I also observed on your, your website that you have kind of a B2C approach, but also an employer's uh, or company package uh, where the employer can pay for um, uh, the health insurance into to the employee uh, but how it works in in practice for for the ones who are listening yeah so, so coming back to, to the fact that we were focused in healthcare uh, and uh insurance is a, a, a very good tool uh, like our product reflects that in that it's not just financial protection that you get with sophia is a care deliveries and care coordination. So when you buy Sophia, yes, you buy an insurance plan, but um, it includes a, a lot of tools and services that uh, are more related to how you manage your, your health on the, in addition to, to the uh, financial protection. So to paint a picture, um, if you have Sophia, um, do you get the mobile app? Uh, and if you feel a little bit ill and you're not sure if it might be COVID or not, uh, um, you can just uh, through the app talk to a, a, a physician uh, through a video consult, um, and then they can prescribe you some medicine, um, which then again through the app you can um, uh, arrange to get it delivered to your house, um, and. and uh, that, that medicine will be built uh, to the credit card uh, that you provided uh, that it's associated to your insurance. Um, uh, and so, so, so like that whole uh, element of um, care uh, happens right. uh, uh, through, through our product. And let's say like um, you need to get some tests made uh, uh, again through our app and through our um, customer support team, uh, you'll be able to um, arrange and, and find out where where is the lab where I can go to and if you need to make an appointment, uh, we help you do that. Um, uh, in some cases, you uh, you you get to or, or we we can also like read the results directly from the lab and integrate them into your medical history, which is available in that. So so it's it really like um, this healthcare companion, uh, which is uh, at its core has the the financial coverage because all of these services that I mentioned are covered through your insurance. Um, and, and we offer this for individuals. So, so a person and or their family can choose to buy for themselves or for employers to offer okay. it as a benefit uh, for their teams. And, and uh, the products are largely the same. They just vary um, like a little bit in terms of uh, who chooses which con uh, which coverages to get? Like uh, in the case of the employer, is the employer who who chooses like the range of coverage and certain options. But uh, the product works largely the same for uh, an individual or for an employee that got it as a benefit in their company. Right. So it's kind of a remote 
clinic plus an insurance uh, company and and also with the health tech uh, component uh, in the mix, let's say. Yes, yes. I actually wrote a, a piece recently uh, titled nice. If Not an Insure Tech, uh, What It Is. And uh, it's uh, it closes with uh, if if you were to, to describe Sophia in buzzwords of, of tech, it wouldn't be uh, insure tech yeah, for healthcare. It'd be more like if Kaiser Permanente uh, was created in 2020 and not to, uh, 1940, um, and instead of focusing in, in the US, it's focused in Latin America. So it's right. this combination of uh, healthcare delivery uh, coordinated by technology focusing on first Mexico and then the rest of Latin America. Got it. Love it. And is it possible as a as a customer to also be covered uh, outside the the network of doctors of Sofia, or uh, is that possible at all? Or? It is. It is when uh, particularly around uh, medical emergencies, uh, we cover uh, the treatment to, to you know get you safe and stable, and then like once it's safe, we'll help you move to one of our providers, but uh, we want people for, for them to, to, if something happens, they, they can just, yeah, and there, there's a clinic right in front, they shouldn't be thinking about, oh, is this covered or not? They should just get uh, healthy. And once they're stable, we will get them to, uh, to, to uh, one of our top uh, like uh, providers or physicians. Got it. Sounds good. That's a great concept and also a lot of business model innovation uh, here, which is more rare to, to see, right? Yes, yes. Uh, there's a lot of business model innovation, but we also benefit from the fact that insurance is a well understood model. So um, like there, there's a lot of, around like uh, service and how we innovate on that later, but at the end of the day, I see you have the Warren Buffett there behind you on the shelf, and he <laughs> he, he he's taught every uh, the whole world a lot about uh, how to think about insurance and what makes a good insurance business, and that that those all lessons also apply to us, and that that's a great benefit. Love it, and um, we we agreed to uh, to go through a little bit more of a, a micro macro perspective, understanding a little bit more uh, what are the opportunities in LATAM and, and specific in, in Mexico before going deeper into, into the company. <laughs> but of course, we have changed the conversation and we <laughs> went directly into the company and, and that's, that, that's how it should be. This is a conversation. Uh, but just giving a step uh, back, um, uh, how, how do you see and why, of course, you wanted to come back to, to Mexico, but apart from there, you also have been an investor during three uh, years and a half, and, and you keep feeding also your investor ads and your investor muscle uh, as you keep feeding also or, or training your your founder ads. And I think that that's really important. That's one of the difficult parts of being a founder is we need to be able to put ourselves in the shoes of the investors, in the shoes of the customer, in the shoes of the talent. So understanding all the stakeholders and, and making something that serves all of them uh, and solves a big problem, right? So that, yeah. that's why sometimes we, 
we need to be all over uh, to be <laughs> able to, to to combine all the interests of all the stakeholders that we want to serve um, in a company. But um, how did you find this huge opportunity and uh, and why do you think that, or do you think that in Mexico, you had the higher opportunity compared to the US or, um, or so how do you see the opportunities in, in Mexico and Latam at, at this stage? It, it's a super interesting question because um, there, there, um, there, there's one fact that, that it's important to get a, a right out of the table. Like developing markets are smaller markets than the U.S. market. So in the U.S. market, if you serve, um, and I, I'm not entirely making this up, if you have a telemedicine company for dogs, that, that's a huge, huge market just because everything in the U.S. is huge. Uh, in Mexico, the, the analogous company wouldn't be serving a huge market. Uh, so, so it uh, in emerging markets, I think you have to focus on the, the really huge uh, like problems to get to, to a sizable opportunity. Um, Nubank is, is the perfect example of how uh, that that see that that can be developed and how that plays out. Uh, they're, they're amazing. Um, another as uh, uh, David Velez from Nubank is an investor in Sofia. I uh, remember he once spoke uh, uh, at the office mm-hmm. when we were uh, um, like I don't know twenty people and the whole company was uh, with him asking him questions uh, and he he said something like. Yeah, like when I was looking at uh, starting Nubank, there was like a few sectors that were big enough. Banking was one of those. Healthcare and insurance were uh, some of the other two big enough to, to be attractive. And that, that's on the side of the size of the pie, but also qualitatively, um, emerging markets are different in that uh, for better or worse uh, governments uh, have yet a lot of work to do to, to provide uh, really good solutions in, in these huge areas uh, of the economy. Like looking back at uh, my time in the UK, uh, they have the NHS, which is the public health service. And it's amazing. It, it works really well. And the, the British people are rightfully uh, very proud of it. Um, the, the public health service in Mexico isn't as good to, to, uh, as the NHS. And that creates the opportunity to, to create something that fills that need. Like if I was starting the same company in the UK, uh, the, 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 the bar that I would need to, to uh, surpass is much higher because the NHS is that good. Um, so, so in Mexico, um, like there, there's more open space because there's a lot more problems yet unsolved. In our case, is healthcare. Right. Yes, that's that's a great opportunity that we are seeing in emerging markets, and also as founders, uh, we've been working both uh, in in markets like like yourself, the US and and, and UK centric. Then moving into emerging markets, we need to, and of course, it helps a lot to you that you are Mexican and you understand the context of Latin, because I think that one of the mistakes is try to, to copy and paste exactly the same models of, of the US uh, into, into Latin and Southeast Asia, which, which 
I think are, are really the, the fastest growing uh, markets nowadays, and we have been covering them um, a lot in, in, the, in the past weeks. Uh, but of course, we always need to understand how to adapt those models into the reality. And, and sometimes, or a lot of times, the problems are more foundational. So we, we can't be so sophisticated in our approach. We need to go into, into the basis of, of the problem and work on the infra infrastructure of the problem being a little bit, bit vague. But I think that's um, yeah. th that's exactly what you what you said in in other words, uh, which is uh, if people are not getting access to 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 a doctor, why should we have the the best doctor uh, in front of uh, in front of them? The first problem to solve is that when they have an issue with health, they should they should consult uh, a doctor and have a consultation, understand what is going on with them. If they could have the best doctor in the planet. Yes, they could, yeah. but, but that's not the kind of problem that we are trying to, to solve at this stage, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> cool. And, uh, and in terms of the, um, this evolution, of course, you, you have been in pre-launch um, state uh, or stage uh, until the end of uh, 2020. But as you said, there, there is a lot to prepare. There is a lot to do when you want to create um, a player like the one you have mentioned uh, before so how how are how are you able to manage uh, all these people without being on the market yet uh, and and this kind of transition from a founding into a leadership team and also being a little bit bigger in terms of size before being in the market so compared to the traditional venture right so at, at seed series a you should should already have some customers, um, some patterns, yeah. understanding if you have your NPS, the patient outcomes, uh, etc. Uh, your case is, is a bit different, and we understand why. So, how were you able to manage as, as a founder and, and, and CEO um, the different cycles of, of building and scaling a company, um, going in pre being in pre-launch mode and, and after launch? Yeah, no, it's it's a great question because um, when you're in the market, you get the customer signal and, and the market signal, and that is a clear direction or it, it's a clear, uh, like the world telling you, uh, how are you doing? So, so um, that, that's definitely something that, that is missing when you're in the laboratory. And um, for us, uh, I think um, the on those pre-launch uh, months, uh, it was crucial to, to focus on on just the, the opportunity at hand and uh, using that as, as the main fuel and motivation for the team. Just uh, keep reinforcing that the problem we're solving is huge. It's a huge pain for people. We can make a really big difference. Um, that, in terms of uh, motivation and morale, uh, just like, like uh, plowing through <laughs> that, that process. Um, in terms of uh, more more concrete feedback and how you adapt your product, because that that's a big part yes. of uh, what you need to do uh, when you're starting something. Uh, that was tougher, but we uh, we did a lot of inter user interviews and a lot of um, product testing before launching. Uh, I would say 
I would still do those, but like uh, there's always this um, this gap between what you can learn in an interview and a user interview that as to when you launch the product and you see uh, if people buy it and how they use it. So right. uh, that's tough. There, I don't think there is a silver bullet uh, there right. um, other than launching and seeing how the market yeah. reacts. And I was talking about the team and um, as you were speaking, sorry for keep thinking as, as, you, as, you, were, as you were speaking is uh, even the relationship. I think that one of the tougher things of being a founder is, is really being able to have a relationship with ourselves and be able to face our fears, our insecurities, uh, our questions, uh, and also having the courage to be vulnerable with our teams. But at the same time, as you said, uh, remembering and reminding the team and ourselves about the why, why is this so important? Why I need to go through these painful moments and these ups and downs? Because at the end of the day, I believe that in the future, this will have such an impact that it pays off for all the, the turbulence that I'm facing uh, today. There's a certain time yeah. when you need to get a license for two years and a half, and, and even also having the investors on, uh, trying to understand what is what is going on. This, this can be very lonely for, for a founder to be uh, in, in that uh, share, let's say. Yeah, uh, no, it definitely comes with the, it's a mental challenge yeah, for sure. I, I think, uh, on the team side, which was the first uh, thing you mentioned, yeah, like I think just speaking sincerely and uh, just the, letting the, the, the team know what's happening and um, treating them like adults and just like being exactly. uh, honest and saying, uh, just balancing um, the, the, the reality with a, the long term optimism uh, is crucial. And people, uh, uh, like appreciate if I were if uh, on the other hand I would be like telling all well, it's all rainbows and magic and everything <laughs> is perfect like some people would start feeling like, wait the, 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 there is something off so I think just being sincere and, and letting people know the trade-offs and hardships but also the long-term potential is key to to, to uh, keeping people uh, on board yeah I think this is an important point that we have not been discussing a lot on the show in, in the last um, episodes, which is really this thing. Sometimes as, uh, as CEOs, we have the temptation of trying to protect people and only share some parts uh, of, of the truth, not because we don't want to be transparent, but because we want to protect people uh, about the tough reality that we have in front of us. And I think that's at the end of the day, what, what we always conclude is that people would prefer to know the reality because they then they can be part of solving and helping the, the CEO and the founders to solve that reality. Of course, this might shy away some, some people, but maybe they are also not the right fit to be uh, at that stage of the company. So uh, because I think that Sometimes it's so hard to attract talent, especially in, in other stages, but as we see also in later stages uh, of, the, of the company, at any stage, uh, that's, that we have the fear of maybe if I share too much and if I, if I, if, if I show that things are not so uh, under control uh, as, it might, as they might think, maybe some of them will, will go away. But I think at the end of the day, 
um, that's that's just do the right thing, right? The, that's a difficult yeah. thing to trust, but just do the right thing. <laughs> yeah, and it's a hundred percent like a mental uh, challenge for for the leader of a company. Uh, like I always think that if you're clear on why you still think it's a good idea to do what you're doing it should be like the best way to communicate that is as plainly as possible but if you are struggling to communicate it in a plain way it might be because you yourself haven't uh, gotten to that clarity uh, right. so so if you can't just explain it in the most basic and direct way Maybe it's the thinking that, that it's missing or that you need to think more deeply on why it is that it is a good idea right. to keep doing what you're doing. Now you have 95 people uh, in the team. Um, do you have any other in terms of, you know, keep building the culture, uh, ensuring that the culture is alive, uh, scaling teams, any other um, recommendation that you are lesson learned that you'd like to share? Uh, with the community? Yes, I think um, working on the culture as an explicit thing is important. Um, we, we started doing that when we were around 30 people. Um, and I think a, a lot, the culture really is like, like a, what people do on a day-to-day -day basis. Uh, but it helps to, to uh, have uh, some formal like principles and formal elements that are uh, crystallizing those behaviors that are already happening and i'd say um it's very important to do it um, soon um, but like uh some people do it as the first thing they do uh, they build the, 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 the in a company other people uh, in our case we uh, we let it evolve a little bit uh, uh, and then crystallize what was happening, what we liked and, and reflected on the things that were happening that we might not like and make explicit, oh, our culture is not that, for example. And um, so, so it's, it's important and it's an active job and it changes uh, at every stage of the company. Like, uh, when you're 10 people, culture is like how you behave in your weekly meeting with everyone in the room. When you're 50, like uh, culture is all that, or like when you have your whole hands, but it's also like how you do your onboardings of new team members, which you're not probably not doing all of them yourself as a founder. And uh, it changes and it evolves and it becomes, uh, um, I, I think it, becomes increasingly challenging. Yeah, that's why you always need to keep investing in that. Yeah. And that, that's really the, the growth paradox without scaring the ones who are uh, <laughs> starting and, and saying, I, I hope that I get into post-series A mode that I'm much safer at that time. Yes, things get tougher and tougher as, as we scale. Yes. <laughs> uh, all the founders who are there know that, but uh, but yes, let, let's keep by that things will get either a little bit ahead of time, which means that you are able to get there. So. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and then you figure out, but you, you don't scare yourself or you don't suffer uh, in anticipation uh, about that stage uh, of growth. But it's good to prepare, uh, as you said. 
before going into into one of the topics that uh, typically the, the crowd likes to talk uh, about, which is the, the fundraising, let's just cover quickly uh, this kind of reflection about uh, a lot of the elf tech companies are much more nowadays uh, following a tech-enabled um, kind of path instead of having tech, let's say, um, as the main driver driver of innovation. So, I mean, tech is helping to serve, to improve the customer experience, to, to be able to be more efficient in terms of the business model, in terms of the operating model. Uh, it's, it's not the core component. Uh, it's kind of the difference between almost... Uh, a remote clinic and a kind of an elf tech really uh, company. W what are your thoughts uh, about it? Um, yeah, let's yeah. Let, let uh, me try uh, to ask the question without answering. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I think it's uh, not one or the other. In, in our case, at least, it's. Um, I, I think we see it more sequentially. Um, first, we need to build a business that operates and that functions and we leverage technology for, for a, a to do that in a better way a more efficient way uh, we leverage technology to do that in a way that we start collecting data on many of the things we do um, and a, there, there, there's a later stage in which like for example we're um, we're gonna have like a unique repository of data of uh, um, I'm gonna throw out a crazy example. Uh, like we're gonna have all the lab results for um, for X-rays and, and stuff. And uh, one of the things that uh, some companies uh, do is doing um, AI or machine learning for for automated uh, classification of uh, lab results and, and lab imagery. And uh, that's something that we're going to be uniquely positioned to, to leverage uh, because right. then we can build a machine learning model that helps us classify results. And then we can integrate that into, um, into the like care delivery uh, of our uh, users. Uh, and, and then it switches from becoming, it's not only tech enabled, but like that actually, that, that machine learning model will actually drive costs down in our core business model. And at which case you might argue, oh, actually this data and machine learning innovation is uh, the differentiation of that business. Uh, so, so that becomes more of a tech uh, right. aspect. Um, and, and so I, I think it's a sequential thing in our case, like, yeah, first we start yeah. enabling our operations through technology and later on we're gonna be doing a lot more value creation and value capture center around uh technology and, and in particular data and, and machine learning right yeah that, as you said there are so many opportunities to improve the experience of the patient and namely we see some uh, elf tech startups working now on being able to to go to the home of the patient to collect the lab tests instead of having the the patient going into into the lab uh, and needing to be fasting and so on maybe getting back to home and uh, then, yeah. then they need to park and they need to go through all um, that trouble 
and, and they can have a, a, a normal life if they just have someone at uh, 8 a.m. or 7.30 coming on, taking the lab test and having breakfast and, uh, and keep their lives as uh, nothing happened. And then having just information that the lab tests are ready in the phone and send directly to the patient and to the doctor and just having the consultation or even a, exactly. a first message uh, ahead of time just to say, look, everything is okay with your lab tests. Maybe we don't need to, if, if you if you are uh, having trouble with your agenda, we can meet in, uh, in three or four weeks because there is nothing urgent in your lab tests. You are doing perfectly well. And what we suspected about uh, uh, there is nothing yeah. there so you can be uh, calm and enjoy life <laughs> and <laughs> exactly stay in touch right so it's just a small experience about how tech can help uh, without being something that needs to be uh, kind of science fiction uh, in a in a certain way so let's move into into fundraising so if you need to kind of condense and, and share a bit uh, what have been the lessons learned during your uh, angel pre-seed, uh, seed, and A round, what would you say? Yeah, I, I think uh, the connecting theme that uh, drove all of that uh, investments were what well, was the size of the opportunity. Um, and, and I always struggle or, or like cringe a bit when I say this that also because I'm talking about myself, but the, 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 the team, uh, but those are the two things that uh, people have uh, like uh, told us like what's uh, that's what drove the investment like uh, clearly the size of the opportunity and the the depth of the opportunity um that that's crucial at any stage of investment like uh, i would uh, emphasize that like as strongly as i can like that's gonna be uh, an, probably number one on an investor's uh, mind uh, when assessing an opportunity. And, and yeah, the, the second point, uh, like uh, just uh, having a, a strong team around that opportunity. Uh, I think those are the two elements that uh, uh, probably can, you can replicate in, in several markets and I think uh, mm -hmm. get you uh, like a long way uh, throughout uh, to, to get uh, those investments. Yeah, something interesting here that comes to my mind is uh, the capital available in Latin compared to the US, it is still shorter. So which means that as we have observed uh, some years ago in the US, and, and I think that Europe is a better example on that. So Europe is, is much more conservative than, than the US in terms of um, investment. Uh, it is changing a bit, but but still more conservative. But I would say, if if your ambition is is too big, it might scare off some investors. And in the US, it would be exactly the opposite. If your ambition is too low, or if you are trying to de-risk your ambition already uh, with and you it didn't start yet, uh, it is a it is a red flag, right? So in 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 Europe, it might say, it might say, okay, good, you you have here a huge opportunity but you have the maturity to de-risk and just go to this niche and to reduce the ambition of what you are trying to solve. In the US, I think it's the opposite. Oh, you are already reducing the kind of your ambition. It doesn't make sense. We want you to yeah. go 
to to all or nothing, right? Uh, I think that in in Latam, given the the amount of capital available that is increasing a lot in in the last uh, three years, uh, there is still a certain conservative uh, approach, and 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 the VCs in the region are also uh, getting more and more uh, ambitious. So, uh, what would you say about that in terms of putting your narrative and and really being bold on when fundraising? Uh, yeah, no, I think that uh, goes back to my previous point about the, the yeah. size of the opportunity and you, uh, like in emerging markets, you need to focus on really large problems. Um, and I, I'd caution people to try uh, to, uh, to avoid falling in between because uh, not like us, we, we do have a, a little bit, a, a, we, we do have a, like, not a, like we, we have uh, investors that are really good from the region. We have Cassie Petrus that they're, they're yep. top of the game and they're amazing. Uh, exactly. And um, they, they focus a lot on the uh, size of the opportunity when assessing uh, things. Um, and the rest of our investors are uh, either uh, American investors or international investors, private uh, capital and index ventures. Yeah. Uh, and for them, uh, like uh, the, the, you don't want to fall in the middle that I was saying is um, you like the, if you target a small opportunity, then you might get the local investors uh, or most local investors. Uh, and if you go for a really big opportunity, the, the international investors are going to see that and appreciate that. But if you fall in between, then you're going to be maybe too ambitious right. for the local investors uh, and not big enough for the international investors. So I caution people, uh, like, be right. very mindful. And there, there are good businesses to be built uh, with each strategy, but uh, you need to be super clear uh, about which one you're pursuing. And in our case, uh, Nubank's case and many other uh, Latin companies, it's clear that they're going after the huge opportunities. We're going after the huge opportunities and, and international investors uh, appreciate that. Oh, These are actually huge. They're not handicapped by the region. Right. Going to kind of tier one uh, investors. And of course, uh, you need to fit their investment thesis. Uh, exactly. They want to be the leader in, in the category and really be bold uh, in the bets that they do, uh, which is not the case for, for smaller funds, uh, which sometimes also don't get access to those uh, <laughs> more ambitious uh, founders uh, in, in their deal flow. Awesome, and uh, time flies. So let's go into the <laughs> moments of uh, of the show where we ask a quick answer to our guests, and uh, they give us a, a short, uh, a quick question, and, and they give us a short answer. So let's start. Um, if you would have the opportunity to have a coffee with uh, with yourself at the beginning of Sophia, what advice would you offer to your younger self? I would say be more strict about uh, remembering that, that you're not necessarily your customer uh, and uh, does do sales earlier. And uh, we didn't do sales at the beginning and uh, we would have benefited <laughs> from starting uh, from the get-go with that. 
Awesome. What are you the most proud of on your journey so far? I think the impact that we're starting to see on people's uh, lives. Like we have several episodes of uh, people's outcomes, medical outcomes and health outcomes being better because our product was there and we helped them navigate uh, care episodes and that, that's super rewarding. Awesome. Worst advice ever received? Uh, I think it's a sort of a play on the first question. I think the scratch your own itch uh, mm -hmm. that can limit a lot um, like, like the types of problems that uh, that you can solve because like uh, there's problems that they won't fit your itch, but they're very important problems. And, and this is a common advice from the start of the folklore. Love it. Well, then, and now we go into the resources part. <laughs> uh, favorite book? Um, I, I have it right here. It's a book called Endurance uh, about uh, Shackleton's voyage to, to uh, the Antarctic and how they got stuck there for, for two winters. Uh, it's just uh, it's just a massive uh, or an impressive uh, tale of uh, what people can endure and it's it's also good to keep proportions that as bad as your startup journey exactly. might be you're not trapped in the antarctic in winter <laughs> good point i need to also have that, that one to read more often when i'm having a tough moment right yeah on. favorite movie or series uh i love a uh, succession on hbo uh it's an amazing show so well crafted the uh, dialogues and uh, characters and power dynamics between them is the, are just like so masterfully done awesome and favorite podcasts excluding this one uh i really like uh the best like the best podcast uh they are uh, yeah ironically i enjoy the episodes that are not about investing that they've done the most uh they have several, but it's a really, really good podcast. Great resources as, as always. Arturo, it was such a pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, thanks so much for, for making the time. And you are, all, of course, always invited for uh, round two because we had so much more to cover, but it's really impossible to make it. <laughs> in, in <a> <laughs> no, thanks a lot for the invitation, Mike. It's been my pleasure. And to our community, we keep bringing you the best of the best to make your life a little bit easier and for you to have access to, to real journeys and to real advice for the ones who are there uh, fighting their own fears and, and trying to make something bold that has a lot of impact. See you soon and keep scaling.